Arts, Lifestyle, SNS Online. Hello people. Well today I'm standing outside the Royal Exchange Theatre in Manchester, ready to put the spotlight on quite literally the greatest play in the history of the world, penned by writer Ian Kershaw and starring one of the nation's favourites, actor Julie Hesmanhausch. After a sellout run in Edinburgh for this year's Fringe, this play is back where it began with a special gala performance to help raise some much-needed cash for Maggie's Centre, a retreat for cancer patients, and in honour of local resident Tommy Stott, a cancer sufferer himself who raised well over £25,000 for cancer charities in the UK. The play has already garnered much attention and looks set to have a long life in the years ahead. A story about life and love and time. committee was assembled to decide which images and sounds should go on to the Golden Record and this committee was chaired by Carl Sagan. You'd have liked Carl Sagan. He was a real personality, a dope smoker, a, a rock star scientist who ruminated on a great many things in our world and beyond. He had so many different careers all colliding and overlapping it was as if he knew that he wouldn't live to an old age, that he had to cram it all in. This, via Carl Sagan, is my advice to you all. Cram it in. So I'm in the Royal Exchange Theatre with the wonderful Julie hesman -Hausch. Hello again. Hello again, Nick. Let's talk about... Uh, the greatest play in the history of the world. Now that's quite a title. Yeah, it is. It's a it's a, it's a bit of a difficult sell actually with that. But um, yes, yeah, so the play explains. Um, yes, yeah, so the greatest play in the history of the world is written by my husband Ian um, a couple of Christmases ago. I bullied him and said, uh, "Write me a play. Write me a one-woman play, and then we can retire off it and go travelling around the world and be like, oh, there's a little there's a little festival in Vancouver. Let's let's get over there.' So." Um, and bless him, he obediently did and um, kept disappearing to the cellar where I keep him. Uh, and working, working for, well, not telling me what he was doing and not even disappearing for irritatingly long amounts of time. Just did he for, not even give you a clue what it was about? No, 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 he didn't. Oh, he didn't how cool. No, no, he didn't tell me anything. He just, he just, and you know, he does go off and just answer a few emails now and again and whatever. And then at the end of the Christmas holidays, he, he handed it to me and there's this beautiful play, the first draft of it. Um, which was called The Greatest Play in the History of the World. And the title came before anything else, apparently. And so it's a, a love story set in time and space, set on um, a road in the north of England, but it could be anywhere. Um, but the backdrop to it is the story of the Golden Record on Voyager 1, which is now drifting through time and space, waiting to be found by extraterrestrial life. I remember it very well in 77 when it all went off the air, absolutely. Yeah. I'm all that vintage. Uh, well, well, yeah, I mean, a lot of people are really, you know, and it was the anniversary, obviously, last year, and that's when we first did the play. And um, and a lot of people are massive Carl Sagan fans, you know, he's a bit of a sort of legend in, in science circles and people really love him. And, and he was the person who chaired the committee to decide which images um, and sounds um, 
of Earth they were going to send into space mm. so that if alien life did find this disc, what what would they mm. learn about Earth from it? So so that's the kind of sort of meat of the play, but against this this really simple love story. And and it's gone down a treat. We took it to Edinburgh. We're at the Travis at Edinburgh for a month in August. I was gutted I missed that because I was there the year before for the 70th anniversary. So I'm so pleased I got to see it. Oh, we made it. making up for it now. So it's fine. It's fine. You know, and it's like, and actually this is, this is where we started it and it's Mm. lovely to come back here and Mm. do it, you know, and, and it's, there's a real, um, this, this is like my, my theater. Do you know what I mean? This is spiritual. Well, well, it kind of is like, it's where I'm most at home Mm. and, uh, and I know everyone here. It's a brilliant place to work, and and Manchester's my city, you know. So, so it feels really nice to bring it back here. But I think this will be the start of uh, a long life of it, you know. So don't you can catch it in a community centre in you know Norwich in 2034 or something. I'll be touring it for the rest of my life now. Be careful what you wish for. <laughs> brilliant. Um, it was so funny when I came into the theatre and you were there early, and I wasn't expecting you to be there. I'd probably you know you'd be behind hiding behind the scenes, and you were just. And I thought can I say hello or are you in character? And if you speak to me, am I suddenly going to be involved in something <laughs> a bit weird? And I was a bit nervous first of all. You yeah, said, yeah. gave me a huge hug. <laughs> yeah, people are terrified of audience <laughs> participation, aren't they? Um, no, no, I really, I do that really. I'm, I'm just in the theatre milling around when people come in and, and was in Edinburgh as well, just because it, it really, it, it chills me out. It relaxes me just to be able to say hello to everyone and see who's in and then there's no surprises for me. And also, you know, there's, there's little bits that I do with the audience beforehand that I use in the show later. So, so yeah, no, it's really nice for me because it just makes me feel a little bit like embedded in it and yeah. I'm like, we're all in this together kind of thing. Absolutely. No, it was lovely. It was lovely. And uh, uh, such a lovely play. So emotional, uh, but also shades of Sapphire and Steel. I don't know if you remember that series, but it was all about, <laughs> I mean, that's more the, the, the nuts and bolts of, of what is actually supposed to be happening. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that's, that's interesting. Nobody time stopping. And yeah, like yeah, that. yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, because that's the idea that time stops, mm. you know, on a, on a road and, and what happens in that. And uh, and as, as you were, Ian, explaining the Q&A, um, that's, that was his first kind of thought. And, and he said that normally when he writes something, he, he structures it very carefully. He loves mm. structure and he sorts out the structure and then fills in the gaps. But with this, it was very much just starting with the title and then just thinking about what it would be like to be on a, a, a road when time stops mm. and to be the only person who's kind of awake in that moment. And uh, and that was the starting point for the whole play. But but yeah, it's uh, it's lovely. I love doing it. Mm. I love doing it because it, it's a very, it's a really gentle story piece. But also, I think it's got a lot to say in these very troubled times about what really matters at the end of yeah. the day, you know, about what you leave behind and, and you know, what life has ultimately meant mm. to you and, and what your time on earth has meant. And, and it's, it's just lovely. People seem to be really responding to it, so it's great. So Ian, you are the writer of the play and uh, also Julie's uh, husband. Tell us a little bit about the play. Why did it happen in the first place? Well, it's called The Greatest Play in the History of the World. So I, I, I deliberately gave it that title so that hopefully you'd introduce me as this is Ian Kershaw who wrote The Greatest Play in the History of the World. Damn, I'm sorry I missed that one. <laughs> um, it was dead good though. Oh, thank you. No, um, Julie's my wife, and she said to me uh, some time ago, right, uh, you're a writer, why don't you write me a one-woman show and we can travel the world, and it can be our pension, it can be our retirement, and, and so um, so I was thinking about that for some time, and she kept saying, why, you've not written me anything, and then uh, one night I was going to bed, and the title just popped into my head, 
So I scribbled it down and then started writing from there. But it's very sort of, as you were saying in the Q&A, very sort of free form. Um, you really don't know where it's going to go. And, uh, and I really like that. Was it, was it really nice not being shackled to connected storylines and you've got to get to point A at this point and all the rest of it? Yeah, yeah, it, it was. It was really nice to, just to be free from that. But I also really like that system because it doesn't... Um, by plotting everything out and by knowing what you're going to be writing the next day, you don't have, you don't have time to have a block, you know, because you, you have to have so many pages done by the end of the day. There's so many scenes done. But it, it was very freeing and very liberating. But as a consequence, you'd be writing something and then something would appear and you'd be like, oh, okay, I like this, so I'll have to backseed this now and go back and just plant that seed. And uh, So, yeah, yeah, it was, it was nice to do. So you were obviously very inspired by Carl Sagan. Were you a teenager watching Cosmos like I was? No, I wasn't. Oh, you I missed Cosmos? I, yeah, yeah, I completely missed it. <laughs> I, I got a mate who came to see it when we did it here in November, and he said, oh, you Carl Sagan, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I said, no, I didn't know him, and he sent me Cosmos, so, uh, I, so I've been catching up with it. Yeah. As you yeah. say, the rock star of, the, uh, of, the, um, of that world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Professor Brian Cox of his time. Absolutely. Um, how do you feel the play's been going down with the uh, audiences? People seem to really like it, and um, it's... Hopefully it's funny in parts, but uh, it's got a it's it's got a kind of like moving uh, feel to it. So um, so we've talked about it that um, that at the end of the show there are quite a few people in tears, and you don't really know why. And you've been told a story about two very ordinary people who live on a very ordinary street, and and I feel as though that's that's something that I wanted to, to write about, about just the ordinariness of life and about how if you examine every single person in this city, on the face of the earth, that we've all got stories to tell and we're all interesting individuals and we can all care about each other, really. I mean, you see, I'm a big Doctor Who fan. I've seen parallels there because that's how the Doctor would see everybody. Everybody is extraordinary, you know, in their own way. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I, I love a bit of Doctor Who. <laughs> well, yeah, but there was a little bit of sci-fi, a little bit of sapphire and still, you know... It, implied of you know two versions of people meeting up and what would I mean what would what do you think the older you would say to you oh god that's a good question ah. what <laughs> what would the older me say to me um oh I don't know notice I didn't say what would you say to the younger you because yeah, I that yeah, wasn't yeah. so that was a bit rude no, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, well, I think that's a good question for me to ask, to say, uh, yeah, what would I say to my younger self would be, don't worry, don't yeah. worry so much, just, just enjoy each moment. And, and I have this thing, this big thing about we're not born with a map, but we die with a map. So we don't know what. Oh, I like that. That's very good. That's very <laughs> scripty writery. Yeah, yeah thank you. Thank you. Uh, it's uh, it's kind of like we we don't know what we're doing, um, and we we kind of like wander around around life and the world, and we make these connections, and it's only retrospectively we look back and go, oh, if it wasn't for that, if I hadn't have done that, then I wouldn't have met that person. So I have this thing that there's a. There's that thing of uh, theatre changes people's lives, which is a lot, a lot of people say involved in theatre, and a lot of people who aren't involved in theatre kind of poo-poo it. But I was a joiner, and I worked on building sites in Oldham uh, when I was about 20. Served so my time as a joiner, worked on, on estates and blah, blah, blah. And then I went to the theatre for the first time when I was 21, and saw a play for the first time and thought, oh, that's what I want to do. And it changed my life. And I packed in my job the next day, and enrolled at Thameside College, did a, a performing arts course, and then went to drama school, trained as an actor, 
and then gradually find my way into becoming a writer. And if I hadn't have been to see that play, then I wouldn't have done that thing and blah, 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 and I wouldn't be married now with two beautiful daughters. Oh, yeah, I'm filling up, I tell you, that's, that's, <laughs> just, that's so beautiful. Listen, uh, Ian, congratulations to the play. What, what happens next? Are you going to evolve it even more? Oh, uh, thank you. Um, I, I don't know what happens next. I th- we we kind of like like it as a as it is. Um, so do so, I. So we're going to uh, we're going to carry on touring it, and and we've joked about it that it's our retirement. But it could well be we could be <laughs> touring this show for the rest of our days. Um, and there's been talk about doing it on radio. There's been talk about making a film of it. And but we're very how about putting it on ice. No, not literally. I mean, literally. No, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just kidding you, mate. <laughs> that, that With Disney characters. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Giant heads. I like it. No, uh, but we we're very passionate about it being it existing as it is now, and and taking it to places, and and giving it to showing it to people, and letting them join us on the journey as it is, as opposed to sending it through another medium. I don't think you need to, to change one word, Ian. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you, thank you. So, gala performance done. Time now to get the vibe from the audience. Starting with this from Lois. I thought it was incredible. It was, I definitely didn't expect to need tissues for it. Um, but it, I thought it was incredible. I thought it was heartwarming, but also um, uplifting as well. Mm. I think it brings everybody. Um, at one point in the play, you know, we're all up in space and time and everything like that, but then it brings you down to earth as well and what's important to you as well. I thought it was really, really good. Yeah. And quite a cosy play as well. It was all about things that matter, about love and uh, and togetherness and family and closeness, really. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like everybody who was within the room was sort of... We were all watching it as, as one and it was it was definitely felt one-on-one with the um, with, with, with Julie. She I thought she was absolutely incredible. I've, I've, like... When she was, you know, um, at the beginning, she was chatting to everybody and everything like that. And she said in the Q&A that it was to make herself feel comfortable, um, which I thought was lovely. But then she didn't leave the stage to just start the play. She just started it right then and there. I thought that was really, really professional. And just, like, really great to watch. I've never seen that with with an actor before. Um, So I thought it was really good to see. Absolutely, I haven't seen it either. I was amazed. I wasn't sure if I should be speaking to her or not. But yeah. uh, is she in character? Or is she not? But um, yeah, so, so would you recommend this to uh, your friends? And yeah, I wish. Honestly, I wish I could come and see it every week just to remind myself of what 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 I need to be, you know, reminded of with the what's important at the very end. Of it. I don't want to spoil it, but with at the very end of it, when um, talking about what's important to yourself and everything she was listing. I felt like I was like, oh, that's on, that's on my list, that's on my list, that's on my list. And it just, that's when, it, you know, I, I could hear the sniffles in the audience and things like that. I feel like it's the kind of thing that I think everybody should be able to see it just to sort of, you know, feel, feel better about everything. <laughs> if you met yourself, say, 40, 50 years' time, what would you like her to say to you as a younger person to, to, to perhaps help? I would like to think that my older self would tell me that anything that is happening is happening for a reason and that's it. The universe is looking after you and yeah, that's absolutely it. I really, I do, I try and live by that. It's easy to get caught up in work and 
social lives where thing, things don't go, quite go to plan, you're annoyed about it, but when it's... I'd like to think that my future self would just say, it's happening, it's fine. <laughs> I think my future self would just tell me to cut my toenails more often, but there we go. Listen, Lois, thank you so much. Lovely to meet you thank tonight. Thank you. Thank you, you too. <laughs> my name's Abby, and I thought it was incredible. She managed to carry the whole play on her own. It was amazing. I think she's so, so talented. Your name, sir? Uh, it's Harris. It reminded me very much of... Um, a Kate Tempest poem that I'd read a while ago, which was based around a time in the middle of the morning where people wake up and suddenly have these kind of existential worries about where they are in their life. And I quite enjoyed that comparison to it. It's called Madam. Let Them Eat Chaos. Let Them Eat Chaos. Let, Let Them Eat Chaos. Oh, I like that. It's yeah. excellent, yeah. So, so, so this was also excellent. Yeah, brought a tear to my eye at the end. Yes, it did to me as well, and I thought it was just me. I thought, hang on, am I supposed to... I thought, this is a bit awkward because I'm getting a bit misty here, but then I heard snivels, and I thought, oh, that's all right. I feel a bit more relaxed yeah. now. Yeah, no, I found the ending of it incredibly moving, actually. It was... Uh, the, the idea of where we are in the, uh, the insignificance of us and the massive significance of the universe um, and yet our insignificance is actually very important to us you know that, that notion of us having an enormous story which is tiny in the context of everything else but huge to us so. oh, that's brilliant Thank you. I'm, glad, well, I'm glad I chatted to you so. <laughs> my name's Kate and I feel that that's quite difficult to follow but <laughs> It was just really good to see something really uplifting after a bit of a rubbish day. No, that's quite a comment, but it was just really uplifting. I'm glad you had a nice end to your rubbish day. My day was pretty tough, but it, it, ended, up, it ended up brilliantly, thanks to Julie and uh, her husband and everybody. So, I thought it was absolutely immense tonight. I've, I've heard about the play. Everybody's told me I've got to go and see it and it's the best decision I've ever made to go and see this. That's wonderful. Did you find it quite moving? I thought it was funny, moving. Every emotion I was going through tonight because it was just so beautiful. It was so well written. Uh, Raz done a great job on the direction and you just, Julie's Julie. So Raz, uh, the director of the play, um, very honored to uh, speak to you, sir. Um, what, a, what an amazing performance tonight. So were you happy with tonight? Uh, tonight was great. I mean, the show's been uh, just done a run for a month in Edinburgh and uh, come down here, and it really feels like Julie's, you know, she always comes home. And the, the audiences in Edinburgh were great and amazing, and their response was brilliant. But there's always a kind of warmth, a kind of family feeling when she comes back and plays the show. And because it's a special gala night, it always kind of felt, it kind of felt even more special. So it was brilliant. Tell us your names and what you thought of the play. John. And I'm Amy. Hello, Dawn and Amy. We are the granddaughter and daughter of someone that works in the Green Moon. That's one of the friends of someone that directed the play. Oh, right, fantastic. Yeah. Thomas thought that's her dad. My, I'm his granddaughter, and that's his wife over there. So we're, we're raising money for charities that he helped to uh, yeah. raise money for. Maggie's was a, a massive thing in my dad's life. In Didsborough, just round the corner from where everyone gets the chemotherapy. Uh, honestly, it was a really huge thing. It's only come up to light when my dad was diagnosed, and it was a really, really special place where people can go to live 
and not die with cancer, to live with cancer. And that's all my dad believed in. And um, well, that's wonderful. Listen, thank you so much. Lovely to chat to you, you both. Yeah. So, all in all, a very life-affirming evening with the help of some very special people. Keep an eye and ear out for the greatest play in the history of the world because I have a feeling that we haven't seen the last of it. I'm Nick Randall. Goodbye. It's basically about these incredibly brave, brilliant, extraordinary young women aged mainly between 18 and 28 who flew planes to the front line during World War II. Do you think Emily Davison wanted to kill herself that day? All her journalism is about martyrdom and fire and sacrifice and nobility and awakenings. It just reads like one long suicide note. I think she really meant to do it. Because I wanted the world to get better, and I knew it couldn't get better if it's going to be ruled by men. Matter of fact, I think it's amazing how well the men did for 2,000 years, considering they tried to do it alone. I really feel that all the things about being gay can help us as adopters, because we know what it's like to feel different, and we can share that with our children, and I think the level of empathy is, is quite unique and important. I thought to myself, well, if this is a twice-weekly programme uh, and going on throughout the year, um, I should be editor. So I gave myself uh, the, the job, as it were, and had it um, on the credits, and nobody queried it. It was extraordinary. Girls in the Women's Auxiliary Air Force are being called upon to handle many of the responsible jobs which were previously entrusted only to RAF mechanics and ground staff. And they flew without radar, without sometimes without training on that particular plane. You know, they'd have learnt on a tiger moth and they'd be given a spitfire. I don't think it did help me get a play rise, but the, po- but, 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 but the point was, I suppose children's programmes were regarded as so insignificant, nobody bothered what went on. Pauline Gower was the woman who spearheaded it. She got equal pay for equal work. Yes, the first woman ever Which is very, in very to topical do it. in and the news we are at the moment. Still fighting that battle in 2018. <laughs> How does that happen? Rise up, women, a special season of shows exclusive to SNS Online. <laughs>